Father's Day, Lord, we, before any other father, we want to acknowledge you and your fatherhood in our lives. You have adopted us and we are heirs with heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, the Son of God. And so, Father, we are so thankful. You are the Father to the fatherless and you have loved us with a fatherly love. And so, God, thank you for your love. You demonstrated your love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, God, thank you for your great plan of salvation, the great adoption, if you will, in that process, Lord, through the redemptive work of Jesus, your Son. And so, Jesus, we give you praise. We give you thanks. And we give you thanks for this day as we recognize the fathers in our midst. We thank you for the role of fatherhood. It was yours and your plan from the very beginning that for this cause a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. The two would become one flesh and they would have that ability to procreate and have children and a family initiated. And so you established fatherhood in the Garden of Eden. And so God, we are so very thankful for family. We thank you, giving you thanks today for fathers and the fathers that are here. And Lord, as we look into the law of liberty, the perfect law of liberty, the word of God today, and we look at the scripture, as we hear testimony, Lord, of your redemptive work in families, God, we want to just honor and praise and give thanks to you. So Lord, we bless today. We pray, Lord, for our sister campus, the Damascus campus, as Pastor Matthew will be teaching from John chapter 8 there. God, will you bless all of the fathers there. And Lord, we pray for the greater church, the church of Jesus Christ right here in this community. We pray for the churches right around us, Lord. We pray for Sunnyside Foursquare, Pastor DJ Vic, as he is communicating the love of God this morning and honoring you and honoring the fathers there. And Lord, we bless their service. Father, we pray for Spring Mountain Bible and Pastor Daniel Meadows. And we ask God as they honor you and as they honor your word and as they teach and Honor fathers. God, will you bless their service this morning? Happy Valley Baptist with Pastor Dave Setti and Happy and Happy Valley Evangelical with Pastor Jim Steele and the congregations there. And uh, Lord, Happy Valley Evangelical with Scott Wallace. Father, will you bless those ministries and the work there? Eastridge Church with uh, Dwayne Tissell, Pastor Dwayne. God, will you bless the work there? Jeremy Jerrigan out in Abundant Life, Father. And, Trinity, God, with Rusty Madison, Lord, and uh, down at New Hope, Father. Just think of uh, our good brother there, uh, John Rosenstein. God, will you bless the work of the kingdom of God in this community? We need you, Lord, and we commit this day to you. We ask, Father, that you would meet needs according to your glorious riches in Christ. And that, Father, your name and the kingdom of God would advance forcefully in this community, Lord. We love you. We praise you and we give you thanks. And all God's people said a strong end. Amen this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to be in the house of God. Amen. 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 Well, before you're seated this morning, as lights will be coming up a little bit, take a moment and welcome and greet those around you. We're glad you're with us. We're glad you came to worship the Lord together this morning. And uh, we'll begin service again in just a few moments.
as we continue our time of worship with uh, the opportunity for us to uh, demonstrate dem uh, generosity. What a privilege it is that the Lord blesses us with financial provision. Amen? Okay, there's a few of you who are receiving financial provision. Whether it's fixed income, or whether it's an abundance, or maybe it may seem meager or not enough, the Lord is providing for you. Amen? Amen. And this is our opportunity to worship the Lord and give Him thanks through our tithes, through our offerings, and our alms. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful this morning, Lord, for your provision in each of our lives. And Lord, we are, we are just in awe of your love and your generosity to us. And Father, it is our act of worship to be generous to you as you have commanded in your word, and to be generous to others in need. And Father, that it will fulfill your will and your kingdom here on earth. And Father, we're just grateful. We're just grateful this morning for your love and provision. We just ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. As the offering is being collected this morning, we have a few highlights. The first one is, obviously, it's Father's Day. And so if there is a dad next to you, in front of you, or behind you, just turn to them and say, man, you are an awesome dad.
encouraged in God's redemptive work. And I would say the summary of the whole will be that every one of us has an opportunity to be closely related to our Heavenly Father and to make the most of that and make the most of our efforts and uh, all that's there. So I invite you to turn your Bibles again to John chapter 8 as we continue in our walk through the scriptures. We start this morning in verse 30 or verse 13. We finished that portion, verses 1 through 12, where Jesus was in the temple courts. It's the day after the last of the festivals, the festival or the Feast of Tabernacles. It is concluded, and now it's the next day. Jesus was in the temple area, and early in the morning, the people came, and the Pharisees had brought that woman who was supposedly caught in the very act of adultery. Whether it was actually an adulterous activity or not, we don't fully know, but they are claiming that she was. And, of course, Moses said thus and so in the law, Jesus, what do you say? And then, ultimately, Jesus does not uh, judge her in any way, but literally judges them in their behavior. And one by one, they walk away, oldest to youngest, dropping stones and disappearing. And he blesses really this woman. He says, woman, where are your accusers? Where are those who uh, bring judgment against you? And she says, there are none. And he says, neither do I pass judgment on you. Go and sin no more. She calls him Lord at that moment. She says, there are none, Lord. There are none, Lord. And so we don't know exactly, but this could be a profession of faith for her. But all that to say, this has transpired. And so now, verse 13, we pick up. And it says, uh, the Pharisees therefore said to, said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Uh, your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. I would want you to understand the term true there is uh, valid. It would be like valid. My witness of myself is a valid witness. Uh, earlier he said, you won't accept my witness of myself as being valid because it's the witness of only one. And the Old Testament law requires there be a witness of two or three. And so he is validating these statements. But he says at this point, he says, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I come from or came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself because he says, Where I go, you cannot come? And he said to them, You are from beneath, and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you, you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And they said, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say to you and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he had spoke to them of their father, or of his father. Then Jesus said to them, uh, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please Him. You might underline that in your Bible. For I always do the things that please my Father, please Him. And He spoke these words, and as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered, We are 
are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. <laughs> Just stop here for a moment. They could not have gotten more derogatory with Jesus at this point. They're saying, hey, we have dads. Where's your real dad? Where's your dad? You're, you were born out of fornication. They believed that Joseph and Mary, during that betrothal period, must have had intercourse so that this child could be impregnated before marriage. And so they're claiming, hey, you were, you were conceived in fornication, man. And so they're getting very derogatory with him, and it's getting hostile now. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And, and if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. That's a mouthful. I think today the key piece or the key pieces that I would want all of us to be cognizant of, not just dads, but all of us that are here and certainly forefathers as well, that Jesus always did what pleased his Father. If you look at that verse, verse 29 again, it says, I always do the things that please him. I always do the things that please him. That's a challenge, I believe, to you and to me. For Jesus is our example. He is in, in sampling to us in the Gospels of how he lived. And he always did things that pleased him. Father. So I have to ask myself this question, and this is the penetrating question that really cuts to the chase. Do I always do the things that are well-pleasing to my Father, my Father which is in heaven? Am I always seeking to honor Him? Now, those answers will vary across this congregation. If you are on a scale of 1 to 10 and you'd say, well, 9 times out of 10 I do, or 7 times out of 10 I do, or 4 times out of 10 I do, wherever you find yourself this morning, I think the challenge for us on a Father's Day like today, certainly to all of the fathers and potential fathers of the future, that we would seek to be well-pleasing to our Father and seek to honor the Lord in all that we do. It's interesting, again, he says... I do, or I always do the things that please. Remember the title again, do as I do and do as I say. Jesus, here are some keen things that I would just pick out, some keen verses. If you look at verse 26, really the second portion of verse 26, but he says this in 26, I have many things to say to you, say, and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Jesus had a relationship with his Father. If you were taking notes this morning, you could just make that a bullet point. Jesus had an intimate relationship with his Father. And it says that he, he says, I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. 
Jesus had this relationship that was living and he was demonstrating to you and I a living relationship. We can hear from the Father. Now I will tell you the principal way that you and I will hear from the Father is twofold. Number one, from the Word of God. Can I get an amen? amen. He has already spoken to us. In so many cases, I hear folks say, well, I'm waiting to hear from the Lord on this. And if it's a no-brainer because there's already text given to us what we could or should and ought to be about, then hey, let's go to the Word of God and let's simply obey the Word of God. Can I get an amen? I mean, it, it really is that simple, right? What does God have to say about this matter? And if He says thus and so, hey, let's do thus and so. We don't have to ask for confirmation. We already have it. His Word is true. Another principle way that God will speak to us in areas is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will move upon your heart. He will speak. Now, he's not going to speak in audible voice, but he'll move on, upon your heart, and he will prompt you. He will give you thoughts in your head. And when they align themselves with Scripture, most often you can be certain that that is God simply guiding and directing your footsteps. The Scripture gives us the promise that he will order the footsteps of the righteous. Can I get an amen? And he will help us in this area. Here's another, here's just kind of a barometer for me, and I'll just tell you in a nutshell. As a dad, when I think, is this God or is this me? Have you ever had those questions in your mind? You're like, you're trying to ascertain, is this God or is this me? If it cost me something about my own pride, if it cost me something about my own identity, I'm generally certain that's God. Because God wants less of me and more of Him because that's where I'm going to be the most blessed and He wants to position me there. So when I see that somehow it's going to benefit me or somehow make me look good, I'm pretty certain that's me. Does that make sense? Because I'm trying this, my flesh is trying this self-exaltation. God's trying to bring humility and His character and His life into my life. And so, those are some barometers. But let's go a little further, right? Because He also says this. Look at verse 28, the second portion of verse 28. I'll read the whole thing, but the second portion we'll focus on. It says, Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. You and I can be taught by the Father. I can have an intimate relationship with the Father, and I can be taught by the Father. I can hear and be spoken to by the Father, and I can be taught by the Father. His principal way of teaching us, again, is through the Word of God. Word of God. Now, I'm not going to take time because I'm going to be inviting Charlie up in just a moment. But I want you to know that I believe, contextually, every single circumstance of your life and in my life, there is a parallel circumstance in a narrative story somewhere in the Scripture that will give us guidance and direction on how you and I ought to live in the midst of now, it's to the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's to the glory of the kings to search it out. And you and I are both priests and kings, and we get to search out and find where that story is in the text that will speak to our hearts, that will give us guidance and direction as to what to do. And again, in most cases, it's going to be not promoting self. It's going to be promoting the Lord. It's going to be lifting others' needs over our own in most cases. And so we can have some guidance there. A couple other scriptures just to point out. I just want you to see that God in His absolute love toward us is communicating with us, to us, and for us, and on our behalf. He says, Jesus says, verse 38, I speak what I have seen with my Father. I speak what I have seen with my Father. Now remember, Jesus was fully man. He's demonstrating to you and I how we can live this life out in relationship with the Father. So I have to ask the question, when did Jesus see these things with his Father? And I believe, and this is, this is challenging both to me, I think it's challenging to you. I believe that your Father wants to show you things that are to come. Things that are to come. And I don't say that blindly. We have this text, but if you just flip over to John chapter 16 for a moment, look at John 16. This is marvelous. John 16, he says this. 
Verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. That's certainly redundant of what Jesus just said. I speak what I have seen with my Father, what I have heard, I speak. Now the Spirit also does not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He speaks, and He will tell you things to come. He's going to give you information. He's going to tell us, to show us, to reveal to us. And so I believe that God in His intimacy, if you and I, just like Jesus, remember, and this will take more time than I want to do, but I'm just going to say this. Remember when Jesus said to His disciples, we must go by the way of Samaria? We must go? How did He know that? I believe unequivocally that it was because he had already seen it because the Father had revealed it to him that they must go and this is what's going to be happening and he knew the details of the day the woman was going to come down to the well the brothers were going to go get the food and the groceries he was going to have a conversation she was going to go back and say hey I found the Messiah bring the whole Samaritan community there and many were going to believe in Jesus because of not only her words but because they spent two days with him and his words were true and so they put their faith in him and so here's my encouragement. We have a Heavenly Father who wants deep relationship with every one of us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit in our lives, and with the Word of God dwelling richly in us. And so, and so on this Father's Day, that is the encouragement. That is 100%. Uh, if, you, if you could walk away with the Father's Day message that your Father in Heaven desires a deep relationship with you, where He will speak to you, where He will teach you, and He will reveal things to you if we will but just draw you to Him in relationship. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. I'm going to ask you this morning to give a huge hillside warm welcome to my good friend Charlie Wick as he comes. Charlie, will you come on up here? Charlie, it feels kind of short now with this table, so we So Charlie is, uh, you're, well, you're good, we'll sit, you can sit, not, yeah, we can lean up on the table here with the dad's room here, we're pulling up to the, pulling up to the bar and getting some beer, root beer. I met Charlie uh, the first time, he was in, he was, when I met him, he was in Teen Challenge, the Pacific Northwest. Adult and Teen Challenge here in the Portland metro area, and we met on the basketball court. And uh, this guy is—he uh, was—I mean, I thought, who is this guy? He is a scrappy basketball player. Oh, man, he's good. And I'm like, and then I found out I had a nickname. The first night he was there, I was nicknamed. He found out I was faster. And uh, after I don't know, it was because you saw I had like a pretty good mid-range shot. It was smooth, or if you just thought I was a smooth talker. But I was. I had a little Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hook. I was I became known as Pastor Smooth to, to Charlie. And uh, others got nicknames too. My son-in-law, he's a he's now oh big country, big country. <laughs> so uh, you know Wes, he's like six six, and he's a pretty good guy. He's the guy that moves me around to paint when we play basketball. Anyway, uh, he's now big country, and uh, he's not with us this morning. He's with his dad. But uh, Charlie, God's done some amazing things in your life. And I'm going to hand the microphone to you, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. But I would, I would love for the family here to hear your story, because it's a story of redemption. And uh, it's, it's an amazing story. So why don't we start off with kind of the early years, mom, your relationship, and how that was up brought, and your upbringing, and then, you know, at nine years old, what transpired. So tell us a little bit about it. So my, my mom met my dad when I was eight, and uh, they got married when I was nine, and he adopted me. So my mom was a teenager on the way. Um, so I grew up in a really good Christian home, actually. Um, uh, it's because of this Father's Day theme. My, my dad, I told Dave, if I could be a tenth of the father, my father's been to me, to my son, then I'll be a pretty good dad. Um, <clears throat> you have to forgive me two points that this will get emotional, because um, where I'm at and where I was just like three years ago was crazy. So, um, yeah, I really, I, 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 I argue that I, it's worse that I actually fell into drug use and, and some of the things I fell into because I knew better. I grew up in a good home. Um, 
I can understand if when, when I met a lot of guys in Team Challenge who grew up with, with parents who weren't like that. And so you can almost understand. But for me, I knew that I'm the only kid in my family to do something like that. I'm the oldest of six, nobody else would do any of that kind of stuff. All of them are Christians, all of them great jobs and good things. And so that was kind of, I, I, had, a good, I had a good example. And, um, and, you, and you, you were adopted, you and your mom, you were uh, a single uh, parent home, and then your mom met your future stepfather who became your dad, and he adopted you at nine years old. And so uh, from there, take us into your kind of your teens and your 20s. What, what, what transition? Raised in a Christian home, and then some things transitioned in your life. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, I ended up getting kicked out of high school, so I didn't tell you yesterday. I kicked out of high school and ended up getting my GED. I went to college uh, for a little while, and then uh, when I was about 22, 23 years old, I, I was doing construction, and I, I ran into, I uh, became a union ironworker in Prince, and I actually excelled at it. And so, by secular standards, my 20s were very successful. Um, meaning that I had, there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of recreational drug use, a lot of promiscuity, um, I made a lot of money, I sold a lot of drugs. And um, I had a lot of cool stories, and they're not cool now, but back then they were cool. And, um, but I still was able to get through that entire time, and right before I turned 31, I bought a house, a really nice house. So I was able to still be successful and still live inappropriately. And my mom used to always be like, when are you going to come back to God? And I used to always tell her, I'll save the mom, go ahead. And she's like, well, you're, not living, you're not living right. And I was like, well, I, I accepted God in my heart, it's okay, you know what I mean? I'm not going to. I'm gonna give up some of this fun stuff. And so, uh, mom's giving you advice. You're like resisting the advice. Hey, I'm saved, but you were all the while living a promiscuous life, a life of drugs, a life of, and it was a variety of drugs, was it not? And and you were also dealing drugs, right? I mean, the, in fact, the Iron Union was a place of distribution for you, and so. Uh, from the world standards, seemed to have the world by the tail. You were, from their perspective, it was like you were the guy to be envied, in fact. But something's working on the inside of you. In fact, there was a time where you realized that there was addiction in your life. And although you had stopped opiates maybe on your own, there was another area of your life that you could not overcome. And you went to, you went to your boss at one point in time, in fact, uh, just... Uh, that was, uh, I want to say it's Carl Zetterberg. And, yeah, so tell, tell us a little bit about that interaction and uh, your confession to them and how they helped. So fast forward, so to give you a, a time frame, I bought my house a week before I turned 31. I sold my house right at the very end of 36. And, and I was 18 challenge at 39, so and I was homeless in between that time frame. Give or take, it's about right. So let me interrupt real quick. So yeah, there's... You went from homeowner to homeless yes. in a three-year period. Yes. And tell us about relationship with your parents and what transpired there. And tell us about Aiden also. So yes. Aiden and so, And yeah, obviously, um, my son is seven. And so um, at the very beginning of my 30s, I met his mother, who is actually in prison now. And um, we it precipitated. Before, I used to, just used to sell drugs and occasionally do drugs. I met another drug addict, and together we became like the super horrible drug addict team, and we, uh, we had a son, and um, I, I, I obviously wasn't a good parent at that time, and so my parents took care of my son a lot, and this is the part where... <clears throat> to come from the family I came from, and to be the father I was for that amount of time, during that short amount of time, is not only embarrassing, it's shameful. And, uh, so like it's, it's it's I was telling Dave this yesterday and we we pre-did this and none of it's going the way we thought. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, you know, he uh, he's such a good kid and um, my dad is such a good dad. I don't I don't just say that. Like some dads are he's like he's he's like he's a Dave kind of dad. Like he's all my brothers and sisters are all saved. He's taught him how to do this and do that. And I was telling David a story yesterday about my father. And I know I'm off shooting you, sorry. But yeah, my son doesn't, doesn't, he's really picky. He doesn't like to eat. He doesn't like to do it. He's like four things. I have a cheese, macaroni and cheese. And he 
know, two vegetables and that's it. You don't want to eat anything else. And after a while, my whole family eats everything. They have these big family dinners and it gets aggravating. And one day I got frustrated and my dad went, I was, you know, I was like, fine, you go to bed like six o'clock in the afternoon. You know I mean? My dad's in the back and he's like, pump your babies. And so I'm like, all right, so I, I back off. And as, and by now, my son's kind of hysterical because I'm basically making me eat something and it, it kind of escalated. And my dad, the entire time, was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. He slowly just walks over to my son, he takes a plate of food, and starts talking to him about nothing. Something. And he starts asking about school and this and that. And as he's doing that, he's slowly eating the food. And Aiden ends up eating all his food, not even realizing he's doing it. And my dad just calmed him down, and it went from, when I watched, and I sat, and I looked at my mom, and she looked at me, and I said, um, and my mom said he is. And so that's why I get emotional because, like, and, and this will all dovetail at the end here, but that person I was in my early 30s and the person I'm now in my early 40s and 41 now is so much different. It's 100% because of God and, and the team challenge 100% precipitated that. I have to say that. But Chris is here. It's a, it's a big deal, man. They really, 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 I can't imagine. I went there to get sober, and I ended up falling in love with Jesus. And that was a big deal. Huge deal. Because now I'm like, ah. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah so, uh, so the three-year period, right? I mean, it went from, and I'm getting a, oh, I got to, do I need to get, oh, Charlie, if you can pull the mic up. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I apologize. So uh, there was a three-year period, though, where you went from homeowner to literally homeless, yes. addiction, yeah. drug use, living in your car and you, the relationship with your parents went from went from one place to I want to see my son and yes yeah so um, I, that's right so during this whole time I, I started uh, slowly burning this bridge my family's getting tired I went from this really successful iron worker to this guy who couldn't be counted on to go to work to this person who made you know 80 100 grand a year to a guy who would work two weeks and then go on a drug runner and not work for two weeks and drop my son off and give my new parents to take care of him and I'll be back in a couple of days and just just a bunch of horrible dirtbag stuff. And me and my dad had an altercation um, shortly before November of 2017. And unbeknownst to me, my parents put a restraining order on me. And so my son was living there and I I had been living in a homeless shelter and I got out and I went to clean some rails and relapsed because getting so running around without God is impossible. And um, so like I, I of course fell fell down again. I got kicked out of that house. I ended up was living with some random stranger that I met through another stranger, and and um, I called I called my I called my dad and I said, hey, what time is Thanksgiving this year? And my family had always put up with me. And he said, yeah, you can't come home for Thanksgiving this year. We don't want you around. You're a drug addict, and we're we're over it. And, he's, and I'm like, well, how am I supposed to see my son? He said, you can come to, you can come to the house and see him. If you step foot, one foot over the sidewalk, I'm going to have you arrested. Wow. And so I was like, wow. And so this is where the part where it gets really interesting. So I was furious. So I hung up the phone, and I'm at this other person's house by myself alone. And um, I went out and got as much drugs as I could possibly find. And, and for me, it's, it's not an astronomical amount, but it is enough. And um, the person I was staying with, her, her father-in-law, happened to, to sell some pretty bad drugs, and he happened to show up. And I used to think that that was that was Satan, that was that was put there. But now I see what it, what it did for me that it was God. And the reason why, and I'll, I'll tell you why, is because he showed up, and I bought a bunch of drugs from him, and I and I, I got all high, and I got all drunk, and I and I cried out to God. And I didn't even cry out to God; I yelled at God. And I said, you know, because I'd just been sober. I just was living in a clean and sober house. I had just got this job that I just got laid off from. But again, I did this all my own power. No God was in any of it. It wasn't church. It wasn't, I just did it on my own. It was will. And uh, so I cried out to God and I said, how come every time I go two steps forward, I go ten steps back? And for the first time in my life, and it, and it kind of is funny that you said that, that I always feel sweet to your heart. For the first time in my life, God spoke to me. And I grew up in church, so I wasn't surprised He spoke. I was surprised He spoke to me. And he said, how far do you have to fall before you realize I've been here the whole time? And because it was so poignant, and also, too, I went from being completely twisted out to sober, like that. And I thought it was really weird. So I thought I was so high, I was sober, so I, was, I thought I was really high, so I was like, oh, what's going on? But I had this clarity. It's, it was so weird that I actually stopped what I was doing, walked around this house, which I knew nobody was in, checked every room, thought maybe somebody messed with me, you know. 
And then, then so I go downstairs back here. Remember, and he starts to kneel on his couch and I'm looking at the ceiling. And I said, all right, God, I'll buy you. If this is you, then I have, why is this happening to me? Why am I about to lose my son? Why is everything, why is everything never going the way it's supposed to go? And in an instant, he said to me, watch your mouth, you should be dead. And then he said, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart, but you have to lay it down. It's time for a change. Come you on. can't do this on your own anymore. Come on. And I see now, now that I've progressed, as far as I've progressed, I'm on the good end of it, and, and we'll get there in a second, is I look back now and go, I can't believe I had to fall so far for God to finally speak to me. But the truth is, is that's where God comes. He comes to you in the place you don't expect it, where you're not. I wanted him to fix me for so long, but God was like, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. You'll be ready when I say you're ready. And, and, and that was when I was ready. And, and so from that moment too, so you, then you went, uh, if I get my, uh, if I remember correctly, it was there that you went and you saw Kurt and his wife. Carl. Carl, excuse me. Carl and his wife. Yeah. And you, you're, you're supposed to be working and or going to church. There was a, there was a couple pieces in there. Right. But you said, I can't because I'm what? I'm a drug addict. So well, I call, I used to rent a home from calls that I remember last uh, home age friend. I also used to work for this that I when I was young. And so I've known them off and on my whole life. They actually built a, a dorms with a Teen Challenge campus in Grand. So they're very tied into, I heard the name Teen Challenge through that church. It was my old church. So that, that's this whole, this whole, when God's working on a Friday, that Sunday, I got on a bus with no money, talked my way on a bus, went out to the church. I was too embarrassed to go into the foyer. So I sat out there, or excuse me, into the chapel. So I sat out there and waited, hoping Carl would walk by. Well, he did. The funny thing is, Carl told me later that he never walks out there. So it was by, it wasn't, again, but God was putting pieces in place over and over and over again. And now I look back and I think of all these crazy things that had to happen for me to get right. So then he walks by and goes, hey, how's it going? How's the iron working going? How's, how's it going? You, you know, ever since you moved out, I haven't heard from you. And I looked at him and I had tears in my eyes and said, I'm an addict. And I'm broken. And I know, and I don't know what to do. And I, I think I need to go to this team challenge place. I don't even know what it is, but I know it's for a year. It's important. And I, I can't do this anymore. I need a major change. And that's what God said to me. You need to change. You need a big change. And you went into the service. And that was the following Sunday. The following Sunday. So you, the following Sunday you went to church. Yeah. You went into service, and there was an altar call. Correct. And what did the pastor say? So the following Sunday, I went to I went to service, and there was an altar call. Yeah, the pastor said he said, um, "There's somebody out here who who's really hurt, and, and today you're going to be delivered from from what's been what's been those chains that bind you." And um, you get an altar call. It's difference between crying right now. It's just, you know, it's just kind of whatever. But then I, that day, I wept, and I and, and I found myself walking through no control my own, kind of swimming to the front. And Carl had, had taken me there actually to the service. And I just walked to the first prayer where I saw it and said, I'm an addict and I want to get delivered and I'm tired of doing drugs and I don't know what to do and I need help. And I couldn't speak anymore and I just closed my eyes and cried. And I found out later from my mom, because Carl and I, they're now friends with all these people. Carl told my mother that like, by the time this, this, this thing was done, when I lived in my head and everybody had gone, that I had like 30 or 40 men and women praying around me. And that was the day I got delivered from drugs. And so that was the uh, that was the fifth of December, and I was a team challenge. I started team challenge December eleventh. So and it's been eight. I just celebrated eighteen months. That's a big country right there. It's all right. <laughs> now that I don't do drugs, I wonder why I ever did. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, you know, it's interesting because. When we were talking, we've been talking for months about Father's Day and uh, Charlie coming down. And uh, I, uh, my, I've had computer problems, sort of like we did during our worship service in the last song. I've had some problems. I've been having some problems with my computer, and so I just uh, I grabbed some mail. And uh, the irony is, I was writing some notes and questions. And uh, Chris, I just wanted you to know that I was using a perfectly good Pacific Northwest Adult Teen Challenge note that I got and uh, wrote notes on there. So uh, thank you guys again uh, for all that you do. But let's come let's come back because the deliverance, December 5th, Teen Challenge, December 11th, God has spoken to your heart. You've heard that prompting that be quiet, you should be dead, uh, you know, 
He also said desires of your heart. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. And I want to talk about those in just a few moments because it's been 18, it's been 18 months. And there's been transformation in you. You said when I went to Team Challenge, I thought I was going to become sober. I didn't realize I was going to fall in love with Jesus. I didn't realize I was going to fall in love with God. And that transformation work has done something now in your family. And this is something that Charlie didn't say, but he, he shared with me. He, he, he's the oldest of five, six, six, excuse me, and his five siblings couldn't stand him. Right. They did not like him. Right. And he's got a restraining order from his parents. Across the line, we'll have you arrested. You know they love him, but there's also that tough love piece. And so, really, broken relationship, broken sibling relationship, broken son relationship, and God's begun this transformation work in you as a result of all of the, the, the months in Tea Challenge and the connection with the Lord. Tell us a little bit about the restoration piece that God has begun. And tell us, and before we go any further, John, can you bring up, just, can we just see the photos of, uh, Charlie, there, the top picture is Charlie's identification, and it was a Washington ID. He, he, he couldn't have a driver's license. So he just had an ID, and you can see a, a man, that's three years, three years later, whoops, go back to the photo, three years later is his Washington driver's license. Come on, can we give it up? That's good. Yeah, great and I'm sitting, I'm sitting at Sherry's yesterday in my, in my office, and uh, that was funny. In my room, and uh, Charlie and Aiden were there with me, and uh, I asked Aiden, I said, Aiden, which of the two pictures do you like the most? And he said, I like the one on the bottom. And I said, well, why do you like the one on the bottom? And he says, because my dad's smiling. My dad's smiling. And Charlie's got a lot to be smiling about because Jesus has done some stuff. And uh, so let's, let's just kind of scroll through the pictures. Tell us about the next picture. This is, this is my little brother. He's 19. Um, he's like 600 feet tall. <laughs> no, he's like six foot six. He wears like size 19 shoes. It's crazy. But he's uh, he's still at the house. And that's another thing too, because I actually rent a room for my family. When I got a team challenge, we uh, we looked into clean sober housing. And unless and they can say they're godly, but the only program I've ever heard of that's actually godly and has gone all over is team challenge uh, programs. Outside of that, I don't trust. And my family we decided it was better for me to rent a room in my house where I can take care of my son and be around Christian people that we trust. And so my little brother lives there too, so I spend a lot of time with him. He's and, 19. And the relationship is restored with the yeah, That's my father on the left. One of my foremen at work and me, we played golf. Me and my dad used to play golf before, I, I just say, before I was a, a, an idiot, I was going like that. And then um, it's something we missed, and I actually got him into golf, and then I turned into what I was for a long time. And um, now we play golf probably three times a week. That's me and my son. So, McDonald's. so not welcome at home for Thanksgiving. Going to have you arrested to now playing golf three times a month. Couple three times a month, and uh, that's that's pretty exciting. And here's your room. Yeah, that's my that's my that's my room. It's like as big as a closet. I couldn't be any happier. Truthfully, <laughs> I like it. I've been in it. It's pretty cool. I'm uh, saving my money to eventually get my own thing. I got a really incredible job now. I just got promoted to rebar lead. So I'm making upwards uh, of thirty dollars, thirty thirty plus an hour, and I'm always got. I'm doing I'm doing a lot of good Come things out of it. Come on, wait. Let's stop here for a moment. So, not a homeowner, to uh, living on the street, living in your car, not sure where you're going to be, right. all those things. Right. Now you have a secure place. Right. You're with your son. Right. You're with your parents. Right. You're with your siblings. Yes. And every, the family has reconnected. Correct. And God has done this amazing work. You're now working again, legitimate work. Good work. So this is this is the redemptive part. This is redemption. God restoring what the canker worm will steal from us. The thief, John 10.10 was a scripture that Charlie shared. He said, I want to share it. John 10.10. The thief has come but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and life to the fullest. And so his former father that he was serving, the enemy, right. now he's serving his heavenly father. What he thought he had, the world by the tail, now he realizes I have relationship and real work. I actually, I, that's actually the important part of it. I actually am on the ministry team at Steve Van. I'm on the security team. So that's something I do all the time. Serving in the kingdom of God right there with the church? Yeah, so that's uh, Kermit. He's, my, he's like my boss. Or so I actually, ironically, he texted me last night. He said, I'll see you tomorrow morning. And I said, I'm doing my testimony down in Oregon. He's like, oh, no, because he always needs calendar management. 
So I do that. So I'm on that, also on the church softball team. I'm, um, I do. I literally do. I only spend time with my family, my son, and people from church, and that's it. And and, and work. And this is this is this is one last piece. And I know this piece because in my own life, uh, God gave me a scripture when when I was really first saved. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And I had determined in my life that I was probably going to be a single guy for a long time because I had done relationships all wrong. And I wanted only God. And I saw, I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to seek you. Well, it was about two months later that I was introduced to Kim. And uh, after she pursued me, <laughs> it wasn't really like that. <laughs> God just opened up a relationship. And it was an opportunity to do relationship God's way. And for two years and seven months before we were married, we lived upright, proudly, and holy lives. And so God honored. And so one, one, one thing that Charlie thought, he said, man, I'm probably going to be alone for the rest of my life. And not that God always does this, but God did, is in the process potentially doing something amazing. Yeah. That was just in a nutshell. That's interesting. Recently, um, it, and it's weird how it comes, it kind of full circle. It, see, once you get into the team challenge kind of family thing, things kind of, you tend to run into the people, you know, I mean, the people who are doing, are, are really, doing this sober thing and trying to be right yeah. and really loving God, like, it, it seems to be a lot of people in Deep Jump. It's like, you know what I mean? Either you do it good or you don't. And like, a lot of these people, so um, the, the Church for All Nation uh, is sponsors the girls, the girls from the ring. They come out there and clean the church and stuff and they do stuff. So I recognized when I was at Spirit Jumpers, I recognized some of the people from my security. I said, hi, hey, you know, Teen Challenge, whatever. And anyways, the outreach coordinator there named Haley, that is my new girlfriend. <laughs> By weird chance, but it's does she know that? She does no, know. Okay. That. I said, "Crazy." <laughs> 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 no, yeah, she does know. And um, actually, me and my son and her and her kids went to uh, Northwest Track the other day, and we spent some time together. My son really likes her, um, and he, he thinks she's really neat, and um, he, she really likes him. And I just resigned myself to the fact that God, when, when it's time for me to meet somebody, I'll meet somebody. And so I wasn't looking for her when I, when I found her and when she found me. And it's a new relationship, but I, I'm pretty happy with, with everything. We're doing it the right way. We don't, uh, we don't do anything physical, nothing like that. We just we go to movies. We, do, we keep it real. We keep our kids around. Um, I spent a lot of time living in that secular world, and so did she back before she got right. And so we've, we've already made the commitment that if whatever continue to be serious that so we're going to be all the way. Let's do it right. Yeah. And, and here's the cool thing, and this is just an encouragement to all of our young people. Hey, do relationship stuff right. Do it God's way. And when we do things God's way, our Heavenly Father's way, we'll be blessed. Darren, we we bring Aiden up here real quick? Hey, guys, will you give a warm welcome to Charlie Sunday? I don't read my Bible as much as I should. 
I probably don't pray to my Father in Heaven as much as I should. He said, but I'm, I'm growing. And I said, you know, Charlie, you're in good company sitting in this little booth over at Sherry's. I said, I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray to my Father in Heaven enough. And I have a great relationship with my Father, but I know it can be greater. And I think if we all looked at each other with honesty, we could say to ourselves, none of us in this room today are where we ought to be with our Father and with His Son and with the Holy Spirit in relationship. And you may be here this morning and you don't have a relationship at all with Jesus. And you've heard Charlie's testimony. And you'd say, man, if there's a God that loves Charlie that much and He loves me also, and He sent His Son to die for me, and you could be in relationship with your Father in heaven today, right? Every day because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died on the cross, a substitutionary death, the death that every one of us deserves because of our sin, which separates us. And David has given his heart to Jesus. He was running all the downstairs. He's given his heart to Jesus just very recently. And today could be that kind of day for you. Or maybe you are just, you've known the Lord and you're like Charlie a little bit. Maybe you you grew up in a good home or you were raised in a way or you began to go to church at some point. You committed your life to Christ, but you're not living the life. Like you, you'd hear almost Charlie's mom say it. Yes, you're saved, but you're not living the life. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned. And you just want to make it right today. Today, on a Father's Day, honoring your Father in heaven, and you just say, yes, to the Lord. There's probably not a person in this room that has not had an impact of drugs and alcohol, promiscuity in some form or another from a family member, a son, a child, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, somewhere along the line where addiction has had an impact in your family. In fact, if, why don't we all stand this morning because we're going to come to a conclusion. I'm going to ask you this way, Charlie, just from an impact standpoint, because we talked about this. Uh, if you have not, or your family has not been impacted at some level by addiction, or whether it's drugs, alcohol, or some other form of addiction, if you've not had impact in your family on that, I just want to invite you to sit down for a moment. Very few. Very few. Now everybody can stand back up. I just want you to see the impact. We have a very real enemy. Our adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life and life to the fullest. So no matter where you are on that spectrum, you might say, ah, I'm pretty good. My relationship with Jesus is like, you know, 9.5. And, uh, hey, if it's only 9.5, that means you've got the .5 to go. And maybe that might be an overestimation. Maybe you might reevaluate and say, is it really a 9.5 or is that just me? Maybe you consider, as I consider hearing Charlie's story again, I know I can have a closer relationship with my father. And the beauty is I know my father wants that. Just like Aiden wanted a relationship with his father and now has one in a deeper way because they're close, they're close. So you and I can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. He says, the scripture says, draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to you. We're going to close in a word of prayer and as we close in prayer this morning, if that's you and you, you just want to draw near to God, nearer to your Father, on this Father's Day. Will you, will you, with eyes open and heads kind of, would you just indicate that that's you? I'm going to raise my hand and just say, hey, that's me. I, I want to. Lots of hands all over the room. We're just simply responding to the Lord. Yes, God, I want to draw near to you. And so let's, let's do that today by saying, I'll, I'll pray, you pray with me, and let's believe God. And before we pray, can you thank Charlie and Amy for sharing?
that uh, you live in Tacoma and our relationship continues. And it's, I'm so glad to meet Aiden and get to spend time and hang out with Aiden. I'm so glad that we have not only Chris and Lindy from Team Challenge here, but we have Mike back here, and we have Oblivion, we have Greg over here. If I'm seeing right, I don't know, are there any other? Give it up for these guys.
trust in you, our God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.